Welcome into another edition of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, as usual, David Hoffman. We are officially at episode 28. We are well on our way to 50. I mean, I think that's a really good goal. But before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously No Copyright Music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. I'd like to welcome you guys to episode 28. I'm telling you one thing. The heavy hitters just keep on coming onto the show, and it's just getting me excited every single day. Man, it is such a blessing, I'll tell you that. But before I announce our next guest on the show today, make sure to go check out our previous episodes, which includes 2019 Indianapolis 500 champion Simon Pagano, seven-time NASCAR champion Richard Petty, and most recently, up-and-coming Indy Lights star Stingray Robb. Today, we have one of the biggest Cinderella stories in NASCAR history. Fresh off his epic Daytona 500 victory, please welcome Front Row Motorsports' Michael McDowell. McDowell has long been a staple in the series, dating back to 2008 where he initially got his start with Michael Walter Bracing. Through all of the highs and lows of switching teams and clawing to earn his way into the sport, McDowell finds himself in the midst of his best season ever with three top tens and an automatic lock into the playoffs already to start the season. Michael and I discuss the 2021 season ahead, his incredible Daytona 500 victory, and much more. So enough of the chit chat. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, chocolate covered pretzels, uh, chips, whatever you like, and enjoy this episode with Michael McDowell. Hey, Michael, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So how are you doing today? I am doing well. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> good. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bristol Dirt Race uh, this weekend? <laughs> I know that'll be a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be different. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect uh, other than expect the unexpected. Um, but I think I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I think that it's going to be a cool race, a great opportunity, a good show, something new. Um, I like the new schedule. I like mixing it up and having, you know, different venues and different opportunities. Uh, I don't have a ton of dirt experience, so I, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not going into it thinking, oh, I got this. Um, but I, I definitely am prepared as much as I can. I'm ready to go. It'll be interesting to see this with, uh, you know, having the heat races. That'll be a different experience, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm yeah, I bet it'll be a, a great, like, learning experience. And I'm sure you'll only continue to get better as those goes yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but now what's a question you're surprised you haven't been asked before? Uh, I don't know. I've been asked a lot of questions the last you know, few weeks. Um, so I don't, I don't know anything off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's, you know, last I've done more interviews and more zoom calls than anyone could ever imagine in the, uh, the last six weeks. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you mentioned the uh, Daytona 500. Uh, congratulations on that, by the way. Um, but take us through that moment of that final lap just the craziness of that and just kind of the realization that wow i'm a daytona 500 champion yeah it didn't it didn't happen right away you know normally the checker flag drops and and you know whether you won or not and coming out and not knowing where the caution came out and um trying to figure out you know if i was ahead or if chase elliott was ahead you know i i had a, a feeling that we were in front of them the whole time but you just never know and um, and so, yeah, when they finally, you know, came over the radio and, you know, that felt like a long time. I don't know how long exactly it was, but when they came over and uh, said we were a winner, I mean, it's just overwhelming. I mean, the, the emotion that you have and, you know, this race is so big and it means so much. And, 
you know, for me, it's been, you know, such a, a, a tough road and a long road, you know, to finally win a race and have it be the Daytona 500. It was just, you know, a huge moment. And yeah, it's, it's, we've been riding that, that wave ever since. You mentioned riding that wave. Uh, you started off the season uh, three top tens in a row. You've done very, very well just with front row motorsports. And do you feel the Daytona 500 was a big reason why you kind of had that surge lately? Or just what have you seen around front row in general that like you've you know, seen significant yeah. improvements? Yeah, no. So there's, you know, two parts to that question. The Daytona 500, um, you know, was great and it gives you momentum and confidence, but it's not what kickstarted, you know, those top tens as far as, you know, Homestead and, and their Daytona road course. Those cars were already built and ready to go, you know, so um, it's not like all of a sudden things changed. But, you know, to, to answer the, the question more completely, we've been growing and getting better the last three years and we made a big jump last year. You know, last year was my best season yet. Um, and then, you know, we knew going into the, you know, off season, the tail of last year that we were getting close. We were running 15th, 16th, couple top tens, but we were in that mix more consistently. So we felt like there was a chance, um, that we could come into this season and, and, and be more in the conversation and contenders. And, um, and so far we have been, and, and so that's been a lot of fun. I mean, obviously the Daytona 500 is, is, you know, been, been the highlight, but, you know, to back that up with solid races and to have, like you said, three top tens and six races, that's, that's a big accomplishment for us. And, you know, now we got to keep that momentum going and we got to keep that speed in our race cars and, and try to keep pushing hard. I've always wondered just uh, any type of NASCAR athlete, uh, do you, how do you prepare for a season and just both physically and mentally? Yeah, mentally, you kind of go through two different steps. You know, at the end of the season, when you first get into the off season, you're just kind of trying to unwind and decompress because it's stressful. And, um, you, you know, just in general, this not just the, you know, the pressure of the sport, but physically and everything else. So you just kind of unwind a little bit and try to um, rebuild. And if you want to call it that, you know, just kind of rejuvenate. And then as you get, you know, I think into after Christmas, you start really focusing on, you know, just training hard and getting prepared, you know, for the season coming up. And, you know, throughout that off season, you're always still working on, you know, looking through video and data and, and kind of highlighting a few areas that you know that you need to work on in the off season. So you have a plan going into it. Um, but the off season for us is pretty low key. I think it's probably different than, you know, quote unquote athletes that, you know, really have that opportunity to, you know, to find gains in speed as, as their ability, as far as their body goes, where us, it's more of, of, you know, trying to figure out what we need to do better on the track to execute better and the things that we need to work on and maybe habits that you have to break and, or, or new habits that you need to learn. You've raced for a number of uh, different teams over the, you know, over the past couple of years, um, you know, most recently having been with front row since 2018, how do you stay motivated and positive during the times of just, turmoil and success <laughs> yeah yeah the goods and the bads the highs and the lows and and no matter where you're at in the sport you're going to have that you know and and everybody's high and low is different too you know you just think about a Kyle Busch who you know last year was having a struggle year and he was still running top five and top ten and um and so it's all relative right but you know for me it's always been my motivation has been to do my job the best of my ability and the reason that is, I feel like God's allowed me to be here and to be one of 40 is something that I take seriously. And so making the most of 
every opportunity I have, even when years ago, those weren't great opportunities, just giving it all you have, being prepared, working hard. Um, and so that's the motivator. The motivator is to, you know, just to be a good steward of what you've been given. Um, and then the last few years, it's been very easy to be motivated because we've been making gains. And even though they're not wins um, or even top fives or tens, you know, we went from 25th to 22nd to 22nd to 18th and 18th to 15th. And, and those are good steps for us that makes us feel like we're moving in a good direction. And so it's easy to stay motivated when you're making gains. And you're always very vocal about your faith. Uh, just you keep that focal point of your life. Uh, how do you stay grounded in that during times just, you know, of both success and struggles? Yeah, so I feel like struggles, I think, is pretty easy. Um, you know, when times are hard, you, it's not not that, you know, unreasonable that you're leaning on your faith more and, and just looking for God to, you know, uh, clear a path or, you know, just help you get through a struggle. And then on the highs, just knowing, you know, the, the highs I feel like are probably the most dangerous area because you can feel like you got it and everything's going good and it's always going to be like this. But we all know that you're, if you're on the mountaintop, you're about to be down in the valley. So you better get ready. Um, and that's life. I mean, that's just how life goes. And so, um, you know, managing the highs and low and knowing who God is and the highs and the low and he doesn't change. And, and so I try not to change in either in the lows or the highs as well. I've always really respected just how you've always been vocal and it's just great to have, you know, great just stewards like you in the sport. And yeah, it's one of the things I've really just admired about you, but um, Thank you. Uh, where did your love for racing originally begin going all the way back? Yeah. So I've always, um, I shouldn't say always, cause you don't know where it starts, but I started racing BMX bikes when I was like three or four years old. So I've always raced something. And, and so it's always kind of been in the blood, so to speak, um, and started racing bikes and then dirt bikes and quads and, and then go-karts. And, um, and I've always sort of been competitive uh, no matter what, but I think in go-karts, it sort of finally sank in that this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do for a profession and for a living. And, and then it became very real. You know, it went from being a fun hobby that we did as a family to preparing um, to, you know, to do this as long as I could. And I, you know, going up through your career, I know I saw uh, a lot of fans may not know you ran cart slash indie car in 2005 yeah. for two races, a uh, best finish of 11th. Uh, was there any aspiration to run open wheel at all, or was NASCAR still the main goal? You know, so my, my goal was never to make it to NASCAR actually, it was to go open wheel racing and um, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity as I was coming up. You know, I, I, I'd won the, the Mazda Road to Indy um, scholarship and I won those championships and but there wasn't a lot of opportunity at the time, you know, and so I sort of had to make a decision of, of what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And, and so I switched directions and I'm so thankful that I did because it's, you know, it's obviously worked out well and um, and it's been a great, you know, long career where IndyCars, it's hard to make it. You either make it or you don't, and you got a two-year window, and if you don't make it in those two years, you're pretty much done, and, and so I'm thankful for the, you know, the, the process, um, and yeah, but it was, it was tough to switch gears, you know, when all I've ever known was, was open wheel and road course racing. What's the main difference that you would say between like an open wheel car and a stock car? I think the main difference is, is that an open wheel car, you have to push yourself to get to the limit of the vehicle. 
And in a stock car, you have to be disciplined enough to not push the tire in the car too hard. Um, and so it, it's, a, it's a more of a dance of balancing. Um, you know, I think that I would love to talk to, you know, Jimmy, you know, after this year as he's making his transition because he's doing it the, the opposite of, of how I did it. And um, the level that you have to push yourself in an open wheel car to make speed is tremendous. And the bravery that it takes to do it, because you literally have to take more chances and risk. And a stock car, you it's not taking the chances, it's being disciplined and doing this really fine balance and dance with the car that you're asking enough out of it, but not too much. And, um, and it's just a, a different, style and feel all together and it was hard for me to learn and this final question as you go forward into the season what would you say is the main goal for front row in general and for you as well as you continue to search yeah. towards the playoffs yeah the main goal is to make the playoffs and i think that we you know everyone says oh you win and you're in but that's not the conversation right now it's not a win and you're in i wish they would have never said that for the last five years um <laughs> We won. We won the first race, so we should automatically be in, but it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, I think we're going to be fine, but, you know, that that's definitely got me nervous, you know, to to win the race and to be in, so to speak, and to have something where you're not in, that would be devastating. Uh, so that's goal number one. The goal number one is to win another race to make sure that we're really in. Um, and, and But expectation-wise is, you know, just to continue to, to build off this momentum. Um we, we are a realistic team. I mean, we are a realistic group. We, we strive for a lot, um, but we know that we're not going to run fifth to 10th every week. We know that we know where we're at, but if we can have four or five more of those top tens and we can get close to that number of, you know, in a season eight to 10 top tens, that would be amazing. Um, and we would be really, you know, feeling like we've accomplished a lot. And then at those races where we know we have a chance of executing and putting ourselves in position and uh, road courses and, you know, you're not going to win them all. And we all know that. And you take the best road racer probably in the world, A.J. Allmendinger, and he's going to win one out of 50. Right. And so we know we know how tough it is, but putting ourselves in that position and giving ourselves at least a fighting chance like we did at Daytona. So um, we just hope that we can do that over and over again. And, and then eventually we'll get another one, you know, and that's just how it works. So uh, that's all the questions I have. I appreciate all your time, Thanks. Michael, and uh, good luck at the Dirt Derby. Derby, yeah. I guess, per se. I like it. Let's call it the Dirt Derby. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. You have a good day, man. All right. We'll see you. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest Michael McDowell. It's always humbling talking to guys like Michael who are just so deeply genuine and authentic. McDowell has never given up in his career and even when the cards were stacked against him, then just look where it's gotten him. He is forever a Daytona 500 champion and no one can ever take that away. Perseverance is something that anyone can learn from Michael and I wish him nothing but the best as the season progresses. I'd like to thank Front Row Motorsports' Mac McLeod for making this all possible. I'd also like to thank Michael once again for coming on to the podcast. But we are just about out of time for today's episode. Look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.